welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 338. My name is John Morgan, coming to you from the beautiful, the wonderful, the absolutely outstanding Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino Tampa, right here in Tampa, Florida. Man, this is a, uh, a fantastic place to be. This is uh, I'm here, of course, for CFFC 100. That's right, the historic 100th edition of Cage Fury Fighting Championships is really in just a couple hours, so uh, w- w- wanted to get this podcast out, of course, though, because I imagine we might have a frosty beverage or two after the event to celebrate, uh, but yeah, amazing place here, Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino here in Tampa, the very first MMA event they've ever had here. Um, basically, from my understanding, they they just spent like, I mean, several hundred million dollars in, in renovation and ad- in addition, basically, building a new tower. Um, and adding an event center. Well, unfortunately, you, you kind of know what's been going on in the world. Uh, so they didn't get to unveil this event center until until very recently with things getting back under control with COVID. So this is the first MMA show that's ever been here on property. And, man, the the, the, the thing is sold out. The feedback has been great. Um, I think they could have I think they could have sold the place twice over. The demand for tickets was so high. Um, so hopefully it's a place that we'll be back to. But, man, if you've, if you've ever been to this property, uh, man, it is absolutely gorgeous. So so happy to be here and uh, happy I've got my family with me. The wife and kid made the trip as well. They're not they're not with me right now, actually. Of course, they're actually down by the pool. Uh, but a really cool trip. Uh, uh, just I'll, I'll give you a little behind the scenes of the Morgan family. Um, basically, my wife and kid had a friend that moved out to Tampa, Florida uh, during the past year. Uh, so it's a it's a you know a, a mom and a and a daughter that are friends of my son and my wife and so I, I thought well you know what we're going to Tampa do you want to come see them like they still talk on the phone and the kids play video games together online and stuff I was like so why don't you guys come out so we're gonna do that and then we figured out as we started looking to travel that uh, from Vegas I like to fly American Airlines they actually fly through Dallas to get to Tampa well my family still is in Dallas so what we're gonna do is they're they're hanging out with friends now then tomorrow. We all fly to Dallas as a family and uh, go stop and see my mom and dad and let uh, let the kids see his grandparents and hang out. So, um, pretty cool little cool little weekend. You know, not a big vacation by any stretch, but um, you know, for a couple nights, get to hang out and see friends and family and all that. So, uh, looking forward to it. So on Saturday, I will not actually be working the UFC event. I won't be there, but uh, but Cold Coffee will. So uh, I will still, of course, be doing the and a half episode over at patreoncom Show. So if you're a fan of the post-fight shows, don't worry. I will be watching. I'll probably be watching my mom. My, my mom has become uh, quite the MMA fan. Uh, <laughs> I think she basically just started watching to uh, have something to relate to me, to talk to me about, as parents probably do with their kids. I'm sure I'll be in that boat here pretty soon in the next couple of years where I'm just looking to figure out something my kid does uh, so that we have something to connect on. And uh, But through doing that, through just wanting to kind of start learning the sport a little bit, to have something to talk to me about, I guess, uh, she's become, become kind of a fan. So I think I'm going to sit down and – and watch the fights with her on Saturday night, and, and uh, then I'll throw on the headphones, and we'll do a little and-a-half episode. Uh, so we'll definitely keep the streak going over there. You know we don't miss shows at the MMA Roadshow. 338 consecutive weeks, not one week missed. No holidays, none of that. We deliver. Rain, sleet, snow. We're like the post office. That's probably not a good example. I think the post office is going bankrupt. Anyway, i tell you what's funny. So I had grandiose plans for this week's episode. Grandiose plans. I thought, you know what? This is finally the time I'm going to be able to get Mr. CM Punk on the podcast. You know, he's coming to Florida. We'll be there. Uh, he's been doing a lot of press lately. He's not 
He's not the biggest fan of interviews, we'll be 100% honest. I don't think he necessarily loves doing media, but of course, you know, he had the launch of, uh, of his show Heels uh, on Stars, so he was promoting that. And then, of course, the uh, fabulous return to All Elite Wrestling. So he's been doing some interviews, so I thought, you know what? I'll be able to get him on the line, okay? That was plan number one. Plan number two, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get Nolan King on as well. Nolan King, if you guys don't know, just had a fabulous vacation out in Hawaii, so he's enjoy that. And then on his way back, he stopped in San Jose. So he, he flew from Boston to Hawaii to take a vacation, and then on his way back to Boston, he stopped in San Jose this week. He's out there covering the Bellator event this weekend. And uh, I thought, well, I'll get him on the line, and, and we'll talk a little Bellator as well. That was my grandiose plans. Problem number one, CM Punk is not actually here yet. Yeah. I laid out on that for a second. CM Punk is not actually here yet. Uh, pretty crazy, his schedule. So, uh, you know, right away when he signed with All Elite Wrestling, I'm like, so are you are you sticking around? Like, are, are you gone? Are you still part of the CFSC? He's like, no, I'm still, he's like, I love doing it. Of course I'm going to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. So you'll be at CFSC 100? Yeah, of course, of course I'll be there. What I didn't realize, though, like, he was working in New Jersey last night. So he was part of the AEW broadcast in New Jersey last night, and then he's flying to Florida today on the day of uh, the event and then he'll he'll sit down with me. So uh, even though we're here just a couple of hours before the event, uh, he's still en route. So crazy schedule for him. Uh, we'll knock on, I'm gonna knock on a little wood right here that there's no travel delays. I'm looking outside. The weather looks good. Uh, but yeah, if 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 you tune in on UFC Fight Pass and you don't see CM Punk. You know there must have been some travel delays uh, from Newark, New Jersey on down to Tampa, Florida. So I'm going to knock on wood once again and hope that doesn't happen. So that was part number one that was ruined. I'm still going to have CM Punk on this podcast at some point. Uh, it's it's an, it's inevitable. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Um, especially now that COVID restrictions are listing, lifting a little bit. We just we didn't really spend much time together uh, through all this COVID stuff. Um, so anyway, I'll have him on. We'll get that done. But the other part, Nolan King, uh, as it turns out, as I'm sitting here recording this, the media day is actually going on right now. So he's actually busy in San Jose, tied up doing the media day for Bellator, so can't get him on. But I want to do more of that moving forward. Um, I, you know, truth is, the MMA Roadshow used to be a lot about the traveling and what the, what, what was going on in the town and, and, you know, talking to different media people in different places. And, of course, COVID. God. COVID has ruined everything, and it's been the Las Vegas, the you know, the MMA Vegas show for so long. Um, but, you know, as we got some people out and about, uh, there's no reason to not bring him in. You know, get, bring in the Danny Seguras of the world, the, the you know, the, the Mike Bonds that are out there, and, and uh, utilize some of that MMA junkie staff to maybe bring you some tales from the road, even on the weeks that uh, Cold Coffee and I are pulling duty in Vegas. Because, look, man, uh, other than the pay-per-views, I don't know when that's changing anytime soon, man. Uh, you know, at the Contender Series the other night, really really an international feel of that contender series show and so I, I took the opportunity to ask Dana White hey when do you start going international again I mean when do you think and he's just like dude I don't know you know and he's like it's not like things are getting better you know it's not like things are improving in terms of situation so uh we'll see we'll see I, I know ultimately the, the UFC does not want to do shows only at the apex even though it saves them money I mean you think about all the travel money that they're saving not having to you know ship staff around the place um, you know, you think about not having to even pay for a venue. You think about the minimized production costs. I mean, I think overall they save money by being at the Apex. So financially, it's probably a better situation for them. But, you know, and Dana has said it, and I think he's absolutely right. 
you know, what really creates hardcore fans is that first time you go to a live event, man. You, when you go to a live event and you feel what it's like in person, you know, the, the music pumping, the lights, the, the crowd, all that, that's what gets you hooked to be like, oh, no, this is my sport. You know, this is this is the thing I'm into now. And that's, that's what you miss at the Apex. You know, you miss that. And, of course, you miss that big fight feel, man. There's just – I mean, it's just not quite the same. It's Again, I've always said, let's not complain, man. I'm happy that I have a job. I'm happy that the sport's been able to move forward, that the fighters have been able to get paid. But it does miss a little something being at the apex, you know. So, uh, But anyway, I, I don't know how long that's going to take to get that to change. So uh, anyway, what I'm saying is that <laughs> Cold Coffee and I are going to be covering a lot of Vegas events. So in the weeks that that's the case, uh, I definitely want to bring in some more of uh, the MMA Junkie staff. So listen, it's been a, a busy, busy week. Uh, didn't do an and a half this past weekend because there was no USC event. But even with that going on, did watch the Triller card uh, completely as a fan. Uh, <laughs> I was actually still in quarantine at the moment, so I was sitting in the in the in the in the room all by myself, lonesome watching. I th- did have a couple frosty beverages delivered, of course, but uh, I was watching completely as a fan. And you know, it's funny we talked about it going in. I, I always say. I'm a bad judge of value because I, I feel like when we're talking about stuff and I'm like, you know, here's what I'm going to be doing this weekend, you know, I'm trying to let you guys know, is this worth your time or here's what you should be watching. I mean, I'm, I'm hardcore, so I watch it all, so maybe it's not even value there. But um, I always say I'm a bad judge of whether it's worth it or not because bottom line is I don't have to pay the $50 that it costs to watch the event, right? I mean, I got to pay it, but uh, my bosses pay me back, the company I work for pays me back because that's part of my job is to watch those things to be able to talk about it and and have an opinion and and report on it and all those things so you know after I watch it again (laughs) I mean I kind of entertain I was entertained by the Triller event Um, I didn't think the production was as great as it has been in the past but you know being involved in production on the on the low level that I am at the shows that I've done you know I understand why. I mean, to to put together a show on a week's notice, you know, to move it across country and then, you know, secure all the lighting, secure all that. I mean, just to secure the hardware you need, much less, you know, the people, like the the people that you had lined up to do it in, in L.A. before the event got moved to Florida, you know, are they people that you would travel across the country? Like, are they your staff or did you have, like, local people set up and now you got to find new local people in that new – I mean, there's just so many things going behind the scenes between moving an event across country. So when the production wasn't as great as I thought it would be, I kind of was like, well, let's let's cut him a little bit of slack here. You know, I get why it's going on. So I didn't hold him too much for that. Um, and then again, I'm a guy that was not allowed to leave my house because of COVID-19. Uh, I was in you know, quarantine. Uh, I couldn't even talk to my own damn family. So maybe my bar for entertainment value was pretty low at that point. Uh, but I was mildly entertained. But again... I didn't have to pay the 50 bucks. So so when that thing was over, I was able to turn it off and just be like, eh. I didn't have to turn it off and think, you know, I just spent $50 of my hard-earned money on that. So, um, you know, overall, I, I walked away mildly entertained. Um, I didn't flip over to the alternate feed broadcast, um, so I don't know how much, you know, the, 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 the Trump thing added to it. Uh, I, I, I didn't flip over. I just watched the main commentary. Um, you know, as far as Holyfield Belfort, 
listen, we said going in, I, we, we all had concerns for it, right? I mean, I was surprised the number of boxing media that were like, yeah, Holyfield's got this. I was like, what? It kind of made me to start, like, second-guess myself a little bit. Like, what am I what am I missing here? What am I seeing wrong? Like, what do these boxing people know that I don't? And, and to be fair, it's not like I've spent time covering Holyfield's career in the time since he's fought. So, I mean, I just saw a guy that looked like he was in pretty good shape that takes care of himself. So, I wasn't completely discounting him, but I just – thought it was a complete mismatch in Vitor's favor and it, obviously it, it turned out to be that way but it kind of made me wonder if like the boxing media in these matchups just has some inherent like homerism to them without even maybe really knowing it you know like oh we're the we're the superior striking art you know these these MMA people coming into our our beautiful sport the sweet science what do they know I kind of wonder if there's some of that and they just don't even realize that they're doing it because I'm like this is a 58 year old Evander Holyfield like what um, and as I did say, I mean, I, I, you know, I thought that open workout footage didn't necessarily tell the whole story, and I think it kind of did. <laughs> it kind of did. Look, when Holyfield fell down throwing a punch, I, I mean, that was that was all the confirmation I needed right there. I'm like, this is no, this is not going to be good. <laughs> this is not going to be good at all. And and I think because of that, I didn't have much issue with the stoppage. I saw you know Evander kind of protesting it a little bit at first, and then I, you know I've seen subsequently he protested a little bit more that he thought the stoppage wasn't there. Um, I got to be honest with you, I had no problem with the stoppage. I think the referee just kept that from being even more of a disaster. And maybe that's not exactly his job, but yeah, fighter safety is his job. And I think you know when he sees a guy tagged a little bit, you know when he sees a guy stumble and fall down. I mean, that's a guy that doesn't need to be in there, right? And I don't – I mean, what do you need to do? Just let the guy get knocked cold and have some – I mean, you don't need to. You saw what you needed to see. Didn't, I mean, is anybody is anybody that watched that fight thinking, man, I, I, got, I got robbed. I don't, I don't know how that thing was going to play out. You know, like the, this referee stopped the damn thing early. Nah, 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 nah. Um, so I didn't hate the stoppage. I will say I didn't necessarily love – how much Vitor celebrated it afterwards. And I'm kind of torn on this because, listen, I, I like Vitor. I mean, anybody that knows the history between me and Vitor, obviously we had a moment. Um, but, I mean, he was a good friend before, and he's been a good friend after. And every interaction with him uh, I've ever had with him, other than the one night in Brazil, um, has been nothing but positive. So I like Vitor a lot. So I'm not trying to pick on him here. And 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 the thing is, man, I know it, it had been a while since he was in action, and, and I know that – you know, he, he'd been wanting to have this fight with De La Hoya, and then it gets changed to Holyfield, and it gets moved, and all, you know, all these things changed, and, and he was willing to roll with it and go with it and, and put it on the line. And so I'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve to celebrate and doesn't deserve to to live up the moment, you know, this, this athletic accomplishment. But, but, like, what did you really accomplish? You know what I mean? Like, what did you really – I mean, and, I, and again, I'm torn on this because, yes, you went in there and, and risked it and got into a professional boxing match, and you won, so you get to celebrate. But I don't know, it just felt like a, a world title win when in reality it was like – you know, I've heard people say, you know, since then that, you know, Vitor should have carried the fight a little bit more maybe, and, and we'll hear more about that in a little bit. I'll, I'll get to some of that later, uh, and you'll see why. Um, I don't agree with that. I, I, I think it's okay for you to just go – you know, when you see it's a mismatch, to just go finish the fight. Because if you don't, and something silly happens, the next thing you know, like, you get caught with a punch because you were, you know, carrying the guy, so to speak. You know, I, I, I don't, you know, you can't risk that. So, uh, but I don't know. I just, I thought maybe the celebration could have been toned down just a little bit, you know, considering you just beat a 58-year-old man. Uh, but it, it is a 58-year-old boxing legend. It's not like a, you know, an old drunk guy. 
at the bar that you just punched. Not that anybody would. Anyway, um, uh, I didn't take any. I didn't take any personal pleasure, by the way, in the in the Tito. I know a lot of people took real personal pleasure and pride, I guess, in Tito Ortiz getting not cold. Um, I, I didn't. You know, I know Tito's a controversial guy, but um, I, it's not like I ever said, "Yeah, you, you got what you deserve there." No, I didn't think that. But what I did see was just, man, the skill difference was just so painfully clear in that man. The the punches that he was throwing. Oh man, it just was not good. It, but it's what you expected, right? I mean, do we, I mean, when did we ever see? T- I, that's, I just never understood this fight from the like. I understood Vitor De La Hoya. I understood Vitor De La Hoya. I kind of understood Holyfield when De La Hoya couldn't happen. Didn't think it was necessarily the greatest idea, but you know, Evander is an all-time great. He had been preparing for a fight. It wasn't like they just plucked him off the streets. I got it. But this one, I never really understood. Like, what did you think Tito Ortiz was gonna do? You know, if it was like a I don't know, some kind of mixed rules fight where it's like, it's a boxing match, but Tito can't take you down. Like, he can't kick you, he can't submit you, but ground and pound is legal. Now, I know that's weird, but, you know, okay. I'll be, uh, now, now we got a fight. Now we got something that could happen, right? But t- did, did anybody think in any way Tito was going to go in there and outbox Anderson Silva at all? Like, no. Now, did I think he was going to get knocked out in the first round? Absolutely did not. But damn, Anderson clipped him, man. Anderson clipped him. And, uh, yeah, Anderson looks good, man. I mean, I think there's more demand for Anderson Silva. I, I want to see Anderson Silva continue to box. I mean, I know he's not going to fight for a world championship, but, you know, you find matchups that are intriguing, um, and I'm in for him. I'm in for Anderson Silva, so uh, that's good. Now, this whole thing about these things being exhibitions, man, and not and us not even knowing whether it was an exhibition. Ah, crazy, 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 crazy. Um, non-competitive fights, like I said, if I had, had to pay $50, and it was fifty dollars of my personal hard-earned money. I might have not been as positive about it as I am, uh, but I was a dude sitting in quarantine that didn't have to pay for it, so I was all right with it. And there was and and there were no other fights going on. That's the other thing. If it was up against something that I had to miss, or you know, was had my attention split, I probably would have been a, a little bit more less. I don't want to say glowing, <laughs> just wouldn't wouldn't like it quite as much. So uh, you know, I I I didn't hate it. now. Dan Rayfield came out and reported that uh, it only did around 150,000 buys. And you've seen some Triller execs depart the company. And you've also seen some Triller execs saying, we're going in a different direction moving forward. We're going to do things differently. Um, let me say this right up front. Uh, and and I'm not, I don't think I'm taking a shot at the Triller people when I say this. I don't think they're making any kind of a moral decision here in terms of their you know, decision to, to, to go in a different direction with the company. Um, I don't think... You know, I don't think they heard the moral outcries of everybody going, what the hell were you doing with a 58-year-old man in there? You could have gotten him killed. You know, and they're like, yeah, you're right. What were we thinking? Ah, we let the moment get to us. No, it didn't perform well financially. That's why they're changing it. So we'll see where they go from here. It is going to be crazy, though, right? Like, because they did another show on Tuesday night, which I didn't even know about. They did, does it, did you guys know that, that they did another event on Tuesday? I didn't. All of a sudden, I got a. Pre- this is literally what happened on Monday. I got a press release in my inbox that was talking about weigh-in results, and I saw who it was from, and it's from the PR rep for Triller. And I thought, man, did this thing get like stuck in his email outbox, and he's accidentally just sending it because it's like Triller Fight Club weigh-in results? And I'm like, this is. <laughs> I'm like, and this is a good dude, man. But I thought maybe like, you know, so he had some email issue. Why is this going out? And, and I open it up, and I'm like, oh, no. This is for another card on Tuesday. It was just more like a traditional boxing event. Um, I don't know. I mean, are, are they going to be able to, to 
to carve out a, a space, you know, in the normal boxing world. Now, at that point, we don't cover it anymore. You know, the only reason we get we get a lot of grief at MMA Junkie for covering these boxing events. We're like, it's MMA. You're only supposed to be. We're covering MMA because it's got, you know, I mean, we're covering boxing because it's got MMA people in it. Like, clearly, you see that, right? Um, so if it's just a, a, a regular boxing event, I mean, we're we're not going to be covering Triller Fight Club. Um, but I'm just kind of interested. Like, can they be a viable business model if they don't have the the freak show aspect of it? You know, um, I don't know. We'll see. So that was that was my Saturday night. And, of course, Tuesday night was a contender series. Uh, a lot of decisions, but a lot of really good fights in there. Um, you know, talent coming into the UFC. Another five contracts awarded uh, out of six fights. So we've now had just one fighter win and not get a contract. And that was Mo Miller. Felt kind of bad for Mo Miller. You know, Mo's undefeated. I thought put on a pretty good performance. Didn't get the finish. Um, just six and zero, so made it to a little early in his career. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting a few more fights under your belt, but you know, he trains with Stipe, and Stipe put in the call to Dana to to try to get him signed. So I, you know, and the fact that they're basically signing everybody now, it, it did kind of surprise me a little bit that they didn't take Mo Miller. I mean, that's literally the only winner so far in three events that hasn't gotten a contract. So unfortunate for him, but uh, maybe he'll he'll get some more seasoning. Heck, we were. We were talking about him the other night uh, out here in Tampa, saying maybe we can get him on a, a CFFC card. I, th- I thought the kid was talented. I thought he showed something. So we'll see what's next for him. Um, but otherwise, some really, really good prospects on there. Um, and you know what, man? I, I, it's It's been kind of a point of discussion lately. We talked about it on Spinning Back Click, actually, about people saying they're, they're kind of enjoying the show less because it seems like everybody that gets signed or everybody that wins gets signed. Um, and I was surprised, actually, the, 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 the panel – of spinning back, like all kind of agreed, like yeah, it's just not the same for me. I, you know, I, I need a little bit more tension, a little bit more stakes. I don't know. I was, and I'm not sh- taking a shot at those guys because obviously that's their opinion. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't see it. Like it doesn't make it less enjoyable for me. Like if the if the if the the concept of the show is we have five fights, and if you win, you're in the UFC. I don't hate that. I mean, that's that's real tension. That's real stakes, right? That's people – I mean, hell, I mean, I don't know that it would make anybody fight any differently than they fight now. Maybe they'd fight more conservatively if they know, hey, I can really just eke this out on the cards and I can still get in. You know, maybe that maybe that would be it. If you, if you win by stoppage, you automatically get in. If you win by decision, you know, Dana gets to make a decision or they flip a coin. Oh, that'd be kind of rude. <laughs> they just flip a coin to decide your fate. That probably wouldn't be it. But it wouldn't change – I don't think my enjoyment of the fights to say everybody that wins gets in. You know what I mean? Again, unless it unless it turns out that people were just laying and praying, and then I'd be like, "Yeah, this show sucks." <laughs> but if we were still getting the same fights, I don't know. So I was a little bit I was a little bit surprised to hear that a lot of people are frustrated that there's been so many contracts awarded. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. Look, they need bodies right now. That's just the reality of the situation with COVID nineteen. Late replacements are a constant necessity. Um, because people test positive or, you know, these issues pop up or whatever the case may be. So they need bodies right now. I mean, there's a, there's a big portion of the, of the roster that can't even get into the United States right now. So they can't fight. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I, it just hasn't bothered me like it's bothered. So maybe I should hear if it, if it bothers you guys or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but to me, it 
still good. I was happy to see uh, Jasmine Jazdavizius uh, get her contract. Of course, she is a, a former CFSC vet. And uh, anytime I get to watch somebody fight here in CFSC and I get to comment on their fights, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm more invested in their career. You know, like I remember calling their fights. That's it's cool. I like to see him. So I was happy to to hear her get in. Uh, by the way, Jazdavizius is the proper pronunciation of her last name. So they were saying it right on there. I just basically said from the beginning that I'm going to call her Jazza because <laughs> I think it sounds bad. I mean, if you're a fighter, I was kind of hoping she'd stick with it, but maybe I guess she didn't like it as much as I liked it. I was kind of hoping when she got to the big stage, she'd be like, hey, uh, let's just go with Jazza Devicious. And then once you retire, you get done, then you say, wow, it's not the, it's not the real way you say my last name. It's Jazza Devicious. Uh, but I just went with Jazza Devicious during my fighting career. So uh, I, I kind of, that's, I, I think that's the only time in history I've, I've made a, a purposeful decision. To uh, <laughs> to call somebody to pronounce somebody's name incorrectly, just because I thought it was cooler. So maybe that was my mistake. Maybe I should have taken that that liberty on my own uh, during her CFSC career. But either way, I was happy to see her get in. She's she's a scrapper. And you know what else I was happy to see? Justin Bernard, man. Justin Bernard in there as a ring announcer was so cool. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, he's done. Uh, chill up. There probably there's a lot of people that don't know. He uh, has done in cage announcing for Tough Enough the amateur organization in Las Vegas for years and years and years. Um, and I've always thought he was fantastic at it. I, I've, I've been happy to be a part of that organization. They haven't been, unfortunately, able to host shows in a long time. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully they, they get started again soon. Um, but I've called their shows for a long, long time. Gorgeous George and Goes have called a couple of their shows. Um, uh, Dave Farah was somebody that I worked with a lot. Jason Mahoney, those two radio hosts, um, they're they're great guys, man. I've worked with them. Um, so we've kind of had this rotating cast and crew of, of people, but we've been uh, it's been a part of I mean, it's been a part of the Junkie family, you know. It's been a part of the Morgan family, that's for sure. But Justin Bernard, I always thought did a phenomenal job, and uh, and he got the call, and I, and I thought it was so cool. Um, you know, I don't know how much of the story he wants to be made public, but my understanding is, I don't think there's anything bad with this, you know, that he reached out and was like, hey, you know, if you need my help, I'd love to be a part. And they were, and they were like, you know what? They saw some of his clips and said, come in and give us a read. And they were like, you know what? We like your work. So, I mean, here's a dude that has put in a lot of time, commitment, professionalism, um, and saw an opportunity and, and took it, you know, and went for it, man. I and mean, how can you not be happy for that? You know, he saw a need. And there was a need. Um, and I don't want, and, and Laura Sanko obviously has deserved all the praise that she has received over recent times for her, you know, her role since she started doing broadcasting this season, right? She deserves it. She's a badass. I mean, not everybody knows that she knows her stuff, man. And, and she, she puts in the work, she knows the sport, she's great at it. Um, but what they were asking her to do was nuts. And, and I tweeted about it the first week about how cool I thought it was. And it was cool. But I guess maybe what I didn't want to say <laughs> is, like, she looks like she's running around here with a chicken with her head cut off. And I think Danny even, uh, you know, alluded to that that first night where he's like, you know, now it, it, it was crazy. She's she's in a second-floor production booth because they don't do the announcing cage side in, in Contender Series. They do it in a production booth. Um, and, and, and I think that's because they don't want it to – they want it to feel different, right? They don't want it to have that announcer sound. They want it to feel – like like a little bit different. Like it's not a USC event, right? But that makes what she was trying to do damn near impossible. So second floor production booth, she calls the fights. Then she runs down, down hallways, downstairs, across the floor, gets the, the card from the, from the, uh, from the, if it's a decision, we'll say, you know, gets the card. Then she's got to figure out which order she's going to read them in and how she, okay, got it. 
but she's literally on a full sprint to get there. Um, gets in the cage, reads that out, and then as the team is celebrating, then she's got to run out of the cage and run over to the area where she does her little interviews. Okay, so I mean, I, I, listen, she's in good enough athletic shape to do it. It's not like oh, she's got to run 200. I'm, I'm not saying that. But it's the fact that she's having to go from one duty to another duty to another duty where normally you'd have a second to collect yourself and to, you know, to get prepared and get mentally ready and all that. And she can't because she's just nonstop. It's, it's insane. So, and as Dana White alluded to the other night, I think the in-cage ring announcing, she's always kind of admitted was her least favorite thing to do. Like it wasn't her favorite part. For whatever reason, she's super comfortable in front of a camera. She's super comfortable talking about fights. She's super comfortable doing interviews. But I think she just was never comfortable being that reading of the decisions for whatever reason. Um, so they brought in Jess Bernard to do it. And uh, I thought he killed it, man. I thought he did a great job. I'm biased. I'll, I'll readily admit. So if you hated his performance, I don't. I, I get it. Uh, but I, I, I've liked the guy for a long time and, and had a chance to work with him. And I was super happy to see him get the opportunity. And so uh, hopefully that that uh, that keeps up, man. Um I will say this: there was there was uh, one mistake on that. Uh, you know, the early uh, submission referee Mark Smith, um, who trust me, I've known Mark for a long time. I, I can tell you without question, he is beating himself up over it currently as we speak, and has been doing it since he did it on Tuesday night. I guarantee you, uh, this dude is an absolute uh, just perfectionist and committed to professionalism, and I'm sure he would have been pissed off, but um, he stopped that fight a little bit early with Lucas Presky and, and Dylan Potter, and uh, and the tap just didn't come. And I haven't had a chance to speak to him yet. I don't know if he thought, because the arm came up in defense to try to peel away the hands, and I don't know if he thought that was a tap, or if you notice at that same time, the body weight kind of shifted forward, um, and, and I, I don't know if he thought that was Dylan Potter going limp by going out from it, um, but bottom line is there was no tap, and he was conscious. So it was an unfortunate ending, and, and Mark made a mistake there, and again, as I said, I know him. He'll be beating himself up over it. Uh, it, it, it didn't bother me much, to be honest with you, because I think one of two things was going to happen. Either A, he was going to be tapping out from that choke. It was locked in pretty tight, uh, or he was 69 seconds away from losing the fight via decision, um, which I know that's, you know, to, to assume we, you know, what, I mean, that's the thing we, we love about MMA, right, is anything can happen in a fight. To assume that we know what was going to happen in that final 69 seconds is probably not the right thing to do, but, you know, at that point I had already seen 13 minutes and 51 seconds of this fight, and I saw the position that they were in, so I feel pretty confident in saying uh, I, I know how the fight was going to end. If it didn't end, via that choke and a tap out a few seconds later. So anyway, uh, I, I don't want to sweat too much on that. It was a mistake. There's no question about it. But it was one that I, I didn't really have a, a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of problems with. So, uh, yeah. Then uh, then we headed out to Tampa the next morning. 5 a.m. Uh, was our flight. So we left the house at 3.30 a.m., uh, me and the wife and the kid. So I didn't actually sleep on Tuesday night. Got here yesterday. I was supposed to. I owe big time apologies to TJ DeSantis, man. TJ DeSantis was going to have uh, ha- have me on the the extra rounds podcast that he does uh, to help uh, talk CFSC 100, and uh, I slept through. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I slept through the uh, through the interview time. I laid down to take a nap because uh, I didn't sleep the night before. Once we got here, we got settled in, we got unpacked, we got everything. I was like, I'm just going to take a quick little nap and. Uh, yeah, I slept too long. My, my wife, my wife and kid were hanging out with their friends, and uh, it was kind of quiet in the room. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I fell asleep. So TJ, my apologies. My apologies. He uh, he says we'll do something uh, next week in Vegas. He's actually going to be in town, and I was like, dude, you just tell me the time, and and uh, we can do it, man. I I certainly apologize. All right, so that's been my week, kind of leading up to it. Uh, CFSC 100 tonight. In the meantime, uh, Cold Coffee still pulling the work back in Las Vegas. So shout out to to Cold Coffee for still. Uh, Holding down the fort in Las Vegas, covering USC Fight Night 192. Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann in the main event. Wanted to give that a little bit of love. Uh, Media Day, of course, uh, was yesterday. I was not there, but it did take some time to to, to watch the videos and to just kind of see what was happening there. And I I wanted to share a little bit first of of, of Ryan Spann, uh, headliner Ryan Spann, of course, out of Fortis MMA. You know, I got love for Fortis MMA, uh, but I will say I did pick Anthony Smith in this fight. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm gonna let you listen to this. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of second guessing myself a little bit. But uh, uh, Ryan Spann walked in with a Rubik's cube in hand. So when you, when you wonder why the first question is about a Rubik's cube, uh, that is why he walked in with a Rubik's cube in his hand, uh, which is not something we're used to seeing at Media Day. Uh, I will say uh, I'm starting this clip from the beginning of the media session, which uh, Amy Kaplan. Taking everything I worked for, <laughs> starting out in my lead spot. I mean, you listen, I'm not there, so no offense taken. But Amy Kaplan taking everything I'm working for. Uh, you'll hear a little bit of uh, of Oscar Willis in there as well, of course. Hot T holding it down as he does, and then uh, it's it's a visual thing, but I had to leave it in here. Cold coffee is a trendsetter. Uh, it's a visual thing, but I'm gonna leave it in here because I, I thought it was kind of. Kind of a funny little interaction between uh, our man Cole Coffee and uh, and Ryan Spann. But here it is. Here's how it played out. I got to ask about the Rubik's, Rubik's Cube first. I saw you playing with that. What's the deal with that? Um, this is, I guess, my way of staying in moments and stuff. And, like, I figured out how to do it and, and whatnot. So I just like to, I like to do it, I'm trying to get my time down. Right now I'm at a little shy of two minutes. So... Trying to get, trying to get it down. So, was there a secret to it that you can share? How to, how to solve it quickly? Um, basically, once you figure out the algorithm, and you just get faster at making the movements, and it's kind of come. It's not necessarily complex once you're learning it, though. Uh, well, once you're learning it, it's kind of complex. Once you learn it, it's not. Uh, and it just kind of keeps my brain active and keep like I like to do it in between sets when I'm working out or something like that. Try to figure out if I can do it while I'm tired or like when I'm taking ice baths or things of that nature, just to keep my brain sharp while I'm doing other things too. That's pretty cool. Um, so this is your first UFC main event. Does it feel different coming into this fight week? Um, I honestly don't think it feels different because of it being a main event and all of that. Like I'm used to big fights and used to things of this nature. Uh, I think it feels different because I feel different as a person. Like I, uh, I'm happier. Like I, I feel better. We took care of my body. I brought in a nutritionist. So like, I, I feel good. And like, to me, it feels different because of that, not because of the magnitude of the fight. So you mentioned that you feel happier, um, which is kind of funny because one of my questions was about Anthony saying that you seemed angry. So can you kind of speak on that? Why do you think he thinks that? Um, I think maybe the tone that came off, because uh, it wasn't the fact that I'm angry when I said what I said. It's, I'm not angry. I'm very, very happy. I have a lot of respect for him. It's 
I'm happy. I'm in a good place. Like I've seen where this, this, this takes my family. Like I've had a glimpse of it, like being able to take my wife on a trip, being able to do things like taking my wife on a vacation, taking my brother, like we went to Vegas, you know, and I like being able to get a suite and the things that we've been able to do, actually hanging out with my family, being in moments and stuff. I'm much, much happier now seeing where this like because for the longest you hear oh you can do this or you can do that but for the longest when you're fighting for free hearing that you can be champion of the world you're looking down a dark tunnel and now i've gotten to the point to where i can see glimpses of the light and now it just makes me stronger it makes me freer and i'm, I'm happy because i'm actually seeing fruits of my labor now so what do you think of this matchup what was your first thought when it was proposed to you well, technically, it wasn't proposed to me. Uh, I called for it after I fought Misha. Because I, well, I didn't call for him per se. I called for the spot. So whatever he thinks I have against him, I don't. That's why I said whoever shows up. Uh, after, after the Misha fight, I was like, you know, the only, only fight I knew about that made sense for me was... Uh, Smith and Croup, they were fighting each other. I was already lined up to fight Croup before, like a couple years ago, and I broke my hand. And so I was like, why not? I've took it before, like, you know? So, uh, and Smith was already ranked number six, and I've seen him giving people opportunities, which that's why I said I'm not angry at him. I, don't, I have respect for him because this is an opportunity for me he didn't have to give me. He didn't have to look back, you know, because I can't guarantee you I'm going to look back when I get there. Uh, so I appreciate that he's actually doing this. Like, And I understand it's a business and he'll get paid, like he said, no matter what. He's getting paid whatever he's getting paid to fight whoever he's going to fight. So it could either be back or forward. He's still going to. So I appreciate the fact that he did, you know, take it. Like, I appreciate that. Um so I didn't necessarily call for the fight. I called for the spot, and he took it. What do you think a win over Anthony will do for your career? A win over Anthony, it kind of puts me in a position where, like I said, everything I've been fighting for, because in order to get the financial stability that I strive for, for my family, I have to beat them, and I have to keep going because I have to get the belt. That's how you make the most money in this sport is champion. Unless you're some mega superstar, but most mega superstars have fought for the title or had the title. So either way it go, I got to get there and I got to win. Thank you. Hey Amen. You see this stuff about Anthony feeling slightly disrespected or feeling that you don't have respect for him. Do you think that's just the UFC promotional machine in work and actually like words get misconstrued and, you know, you can lose? I, I, I honestly don't know where it came from. Uh for whatever reason, he feel that way, in which, I mean, I can't do anything about it. I like the, the thing is, when that came out, no one reached out to me to see if I was angry, which it really wouldn't matter because I don't do many interviews anyway. And uh, I think the only one I did now is Gavin. And that's about the only person that I'll talk to. And I think probably you if you called. And uh, so... I don't I don't necessarily know where it came from. No one talked to me about it before anyone 
went off saying like I think I tweeted, you know, because DC said it that night because I was just so happened to be watching and it came up and I was like, oh shit, that looked like me. Oh wait, that's me. <laughs> Weirdest thing, man. So because me and my wife was sitting there watching it and I was like, oh snap, all right, cool, that's what we did. And DC was like, man, Span seems angry, and it's not that I'm angry, man. It's I'm fighting for something, like. I can't let anyone take it. It doesn't matter who shows up, who it is. I can't let anyone take it. Like, it's not anger. I'm not angry. Like, now I feel like I'm in a therapy session. You're <laughs> angry. I'm not angry. Woosah. But. Count to 10. Deep yeah. <sighs> let me get my balloon. But uh, I don't I don't know where it came from. I, I But it doesn't matter because it, it, it won't change anything the result's still going to be same. What do you think about him as a fighter? Like, as his, in terms of his skills compared to yours? That old question. Um, Honestly, okay, so I have to always explain this, which is I don't watch film. So I didn't get to see much, you know. Uriah watched a lot of them before when they were both middleweights and stuff. So I was able to get some tidbits from people here and there. But other than that, I don't, I don't watch it myself and I don't care to watch it. So uh, I do respect the fact that he's been where he's been for as long as he has because he has skills. He has to have skills to be able to maintain, to be at the upper echelon of where he's – when did he fight John? Who knows? Uh, a couple of years ago, two, three, whatever. Either way, two? Two? Yeah. So for him to still be here – in the top, I don't think he've ever dropped below 10, maybe. Uh, and that, I, I don't know for sure. I, I just think for him to be where he is, he he haven't dropped far. So for him to be where he is, he has to have skills, and I have to respect that. This is not a sport that lends itself to longevity, right? So, right. So, cool. Thanks, man. I guess when you go in, I think a lot of people look at Anthony and think like, all right, well, he's either great on the ground or maybe he's going to try to test his hands out. When you were preparing for this, were you guys preparing for a guy that's going to try to either get you down the ground and try to do jiu-jitsu, or, or do you think he wants to try to stand and bang with you and to test his hands? I'm, I'm going to hold the mic. How you holding yeah. <laughs> it? It's like a cigar that. or a yeah, fine I've sifter. Never, I've never seen that. <laughs> All right. Um, I, honestly, I don't know what he's going to try to do, and I really don't care because it's not going to work. Right? The plan, if it goes according to how I've been seeing it, it doesn't matter what he do. It, it's not going to work. And when you think about the the Ryan Span now that's headlining a card, what's the difference of the Ryan Span that's headlining this card and the Ryan Span that headlined that LFA card years ago? It's uh, night and day, man. Um, I honestly, then like we was talking about it, getting ready for this fight. Like I don't know how you do that, man. Like it's just, I know now I feel all weird. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. Just casually went like this. Now, now you're making me second guess my life. <laughs> like what did I do in life to become him? Um, honestly, it's a difference, man. Like we was talking. I was talking to my nutritionist Eric Pena, and I was talking to my strength and conditioning coach uh, Mike Scacia. <laughs> he changed it. <laughs> and um, you know what? Fuck it. No, I'm going back. I'm going back. We're in here. We're in here now. <laughs> So I talked to, you know, my coaches and, you know, and we basically discovered the fact that I've been coming off the couch, you know, 
basically doing this, like barely training, doing what I have to do just to get by, just to get to the fight. See, now, like I've been posting, we've left no stone unturned. I brought in Eric Pena. I've been working with Mike Skacia, like, and it's showing like my body, like I feel good. I'm happy. I've been working on my mental game, you know, and talking to a therapist. Like, I'm telling you, man, it's completely different. Like, it seems like, okay, June, it seemed like all of a sudden I became a different person. Like, I don't even, I have memories of that. Like, I can watch me on TV and I'll be sitting and like, man, they don't really seem like me. Like, the memories of that stuff is more to me like memories of someone else being told to me. Not like I was actually there. And I just feel, I feel so much different now. And you kind of touched on it. And I wondered, you know, how much of it is your growth? So it is, would, the, would you say the majority of the growth is the mentality, the mental side? Because when I look at these fights, both you're going to come in physically prepared. Do you think it's going to come down to a battle of wills? Who's going to be willing to go further and push harder? That's going to get the, the victory at the end of the day. That is a very real possibility. Uh, that could be it. We, we'll see, you know, but... You know, it's hard to, I'm not saying he's full or, or, you know, he's not driven. Like somebody just told me, you know, he had three kids and like I do and all that. So we're, we're essentially fighting for the same thing. But at the same time, he's already been where I'm trying to get to. And it's things like that where it's like, you know, I'm hungry. You know, that it's not anger that you hear. You know, I, man, I dropped a lot of tears just talking about, where me and my family then came from. You know, I posted a picture where uh, 2014 when I got married, me and my wife had like cheap busted up rings. You know, it ain't not busted up, but, you know, I couldn't afford decent rings to even get married. You know, like now I was able to go and get her the ring she wanted. Like I was able to get me one. Like it just, things are changing and I have to beat this dude. I have to walk through him to get to where I'm trying to go to continue to see these differences. And that's why I worked so hard like I did. I got a therapist, got a nutritionist. I'm with my strength coach. Like I'm having to do what I had to do, what I should have been done. But now I know like this is I'm too close now to, to, to even risk just trying to show up like I have been. Like most of my camps have been just cutting weight, to be real with you. Like it's just been cutting weight. Not we've trained and we train hard and all of that, but most of the time it's what's your weight? Where your weight at? What's your weight? Get your weight down. What's your weight? Like not this is what we're gonna do. Which there is that because you know the general Safe Saud he makes sure to have that on point. But at the same time, for me, my focus has been weight, not how to perform. And like the therapist said, the key. To peak performance is total engagement in your task. And now I've gotten to the point to where I can be totally engaged. Like I've noticed like my memories and things like would slip or I forget things quickly and, and or not remember things from the past. But at the same time is I wasn't really there. Like I wasn't really there. And now I can be there. That's why you see the Rubik's Cube, like when I get tired or whatever. I have to focus on what I'm doing. I can't think in the past or I can't think in the future. 
with, with anxiety or depression because I have to focus on whatever I'm doing right now. And that's where we've been. Good stuff, I thought that from Ryan Spann. Honestly, you know, um, I think one of the better interviews I've, I've ever heard him do. Um, and maybe it's, I don't know, sometimes I think I, I listen to answers and interviews differently when I'm thinking about, like, what I'm going to write um, or, or that sort of thing. So maybe I'm just hearing it different. But to me, I feel like that was one of the most open, honest, you know, insightful Ryan Spans we've ever seen. So uh, I thought that was cool. You know, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, he talked about, you know, feeling comfortable in the first main event. We'll see, you know, do, do jitters get to you a little bit? I mean, on the day of, you know, okay, main event, main event. But then when it's there, you know what I mean? And the whole event's building up to you and you've seen a week worth of, you know, preview videos of everybody talking about you and that moment comes. I mean, do you still get a little bit of the jitters? You know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think that does factor in a little bit. I think people think in their first main event that it's it's just the same, it's just a fight, you know, same cage, same octagon, blah, 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 uh, all those things. Uh, of course, you know, not even mentioning, in fact, five rounds. I mean, that's that's a big part of it too. But I'm just talking about the feel of everything. I think it does kind of get to people sometimes, you know, on, on fight night. So we'll see. Obviously, uh, I'm sure you could tell why I wanted to hear some of the clips of him talking about hanging out with his family. I can totally, I can totally relate. You know what I mean? Like it feels good to have your family with you. You know, and when you go on these, you know, quote unquote business trips or whatever to go do these things, um, it's cool when you're able to bring your family along. You know what I mean? You're able to to let them see the nice hotel. I mean, I don't get to go enjoy enjoy the pool. You know what I mean? But they do. It's 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 fun. I mean, we all like to. To, to let our family do fun things and, and, and to be able to provide for them, right? So um, I thought that was pretty cool, man. I could I could totally relate. Now, let's talk about this anger narrative, right? Because I've seen this a lot lately. And maybe I'm crazy when I, when I see it. Maybe, I don't know, you can, you can tell me if I'm crazy. But, you know, w- when you get guys like DC, guys like Chael, you know, kind of setting these narratives and, and, and talking about the stories and, 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 and laying out the narratives of things, you know, it's, it's uh, they're good at it. They're damn good at it, and that's why they do it. You know, obviously, uh, they're both fans of professional wrestling. Uh, they both, so they're both fans of the theater of 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 combat sports, and they're good at setting these narratives. Sometimes, though, I think they take some liberties in the things that they say, and they're not always a hundred percent accurate. Now, does that make it wrong? No, I mean they're part of the production of this whole thing, right? They're part of the 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 whole storytelling. The whole people like conflict. I mean, fights are great. And they are. I mean, a mixed martial arts fight is phenomenal just as a mixed martial arts fight. Um, but, you know, when there is bad blood or when there is a little something extra. I, mean, I do the same thing with CFFC. You know, obviously we don't have as many, like, personal beefs and things like that on the regional level. But, you know, you lay out what's at stake here. What does this mean? What would this do? That's, that's good. But sometimes I think that they take a little liberty with the narratives and set things that aren't exactly true. And then the fighters, I guess, they kind of have to choose if they're going to play along with it or not. So, um yeah, interesting, you know, because that's been this whole thing, right, about an angry Ryan Span. It's like, you're like, I'm not angry, you know? So, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of funny to see. Uh, all right, the, the, hopefully you like the cold coffee a little bit there as well. So it, it's a video gag, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, have cold coffee put it up uh, on a on, – because I'm not going to have time to do it. Uh, <laughs> i got to go to the show in a little bit. Uh, Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. I'll have him put it up over there. But the visual is basically like – I think what it reminded me of, and I wish I could have seen 
Cole Coffee doing this? I don't understand why he grabbed the microphone. Because, you know, we're, you, you've seen the – we've talked about the setups, right, during pandemic era MMA, right? We've, we basically – we're all sitting at these tables. We're six feet apart from each other. But we have microphones individually run to each table. So there's just a mic, like, right there next to us, you know, laying next to us. And we pick it up. We want to talk. Now, I can't see cold coffee because the, the camera is – cold coffee's camera is pointing at Ryan's band. But basically the way he holds it – it reminded me of like, you know, like old time boxing, like you know, uh, Madison Square Garden. You know, the, the the microphone is lowered down into the ring, and 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 the announcer grabs it and holds it down that way, and introducing from the red corner. That's what it reminded me of. So I have no idea why Cold Coffee held the microphone that way, but for Ryan Spann to call him out on it and then say, "Nah, I'm I'm in this, man." <laughs> That was pretty funny. I'm, I'm out. You, you got to see the video of it. I'm, I'm going to have him put it up uh, on the Patreon page. But but uh, yeah, it was good. So anyway, uh, ultimately though, this Ryan Span interview, man, I just I think one thing that's always intrigued me about MMA from the very beginning when I became a fan, and I still to this day, is the psychological aspect of it, man. The psychological aspect. I mean, this sport is so technical on the feet. It's so technical on the ground, and there's so many things to learn and offenses and defenses and tactics and all these things so much of it comes down to psychology man it's such a psychological game I think that's one of the things that's always been an appeal to me about the sport is how people get over that hump you know what I mean like dude there's still fear man there's still fear there's still nerves there's still every single time man you go in there it's it's I hate to use it. I always try to keep my language clean, so I'm a little not safe for work warning here. It's a mind fuck. It really is. It really is. This whole sport is a mind fuck. And the people that can learn to deal with it have a huge edge. And so to hear Ryan Spann talk about that, man, I just always appreciate people's openness and discussion of what it takes to um, to be there. So, um Listen, man, it just, I don't know, it spoke to me a little bit, you know, the the whole thing spoke to me, that, and that, that the way he ended it was just the, the here and the now, and, and man, I mean, don't you like, it was like inspiring for me for my broadcast tonight, you know what I mean, we're like, I'm thinking about, where, hey man, because you know, we're flying to Dallas tomorrow, and I'm thinking about things I got to do with my mom, and things I got to do with my dad, and you know, where we're going to go, and what the, what the schedule's going to be like, so that my, my, my kid gets the most time, his, nah, I got to put that aside, you know what I mean, then I'm already, I'm already looking at, the the week next week, you know, I'm already looking at my calendar and looking at everything, you know, because it's gonna be another busy week. We got we've got we got uh, contender series again. We've got a UFC pay per view. We got international fight week. So there's gonna be some additional things to to cover. And I'm thinking about all that. How are we gonna fit this in? What are we gonna do? How? Nah, tonight when I'm on the, when I'm on the mic, I gotta put everything aside. I gotta be here. I gotta be now. I gotta be confident in what I'm doing. I gotta be. Fo- it just I don't know. I, I found it inspirational. It spoke to me. Be here. Be present. Be now. Focus on. That and that alone. Don't let any of that other noise seep in. And I don't know, it spoke to me. So this is what I said going in. I picked Anthony Smith in this fight because I thought just the veteran savvy. I mean, Span has tools, no question about it. But I feel like he's still raw and developing. Um, and Anthony Smith, I think, has that, of course, veteran savvy. I think Anthony Smith is kind of on the tail end of things. And I'm not trying to say he needs to hang it up anytime soon. But, you know, it's I, I do feel like he's starting the the descent a little bit. Uh, and again, I mean that is no insult, but I felt that he was higher up right now than Ryan Spann. But when I hear that Ryan Spann, and and when he says, you know, I just been cut, up to this point, camp's just been cutting weight. Now we're actually game planning and technique doing this. And man, if there's anybody that can game plan, it's Safe Saoud. 
I mean, I, I, I love that guy, man. You talk about an expert in the game. So I don't know, man. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Um, yeah. Hey, listen, I should say, by the way, if you like what you're listening to, do a seven, take a second. If you've never rated us, reviewed us, I know it takes a little bit of time. I know it's a little bit annoying, but um, if you could do it, it helps. It helps, you know, you know what they say. It helps helps, helps you get the show noticed, and it does. We're trying to, we're always trying to grow the thing, you know, uh, get more people listening. So if, if it can, if, if the algorithm helps us based on your feedback, I certainly appreciate it. Of course, I always like to read uh, comments uh, positive. You know, constructive criticism is welcome as well, but positive is good. <laughs> I like positive reinforcement. Uh, so if you can take the time to do that. And listen, as I always say, if you, if you want to take a game to the next level and really support the podcast, head over to patreon.com slash the MA Roadshow. You can sign up for as little as $3 a month. There's annual options as well that will save you a percentage off that. Um, but it basically just helps us to, to, to support the show. And uh, we really do appreciate each and every person uh, who is either currently subscribing or has done it in the past. More of the people that are currently surprised. <laughs> but anybody that's ever helped the show, we, we, uh, we certainly do appreciate it. Now, at the media day back in Las Vegas, uh, Anthony Smith came a little bit afterwards, right? And uh, I, I like this because, you know, he gets to address some things as well. Um, but, uh, you know, he, uh, he uh, this is where we're going to get back to the Triller stuff as well. So we're going to hear from Anthony Smith, who was phenomenal, man. I mean, he's just always such a great interview. Uh, I mean, it just has been from the day. You know, I've always been a big Anthony Smith fan. I've told this story before, um, but I but I love mentioning it to maybe anybody that hasn't heard it. If you've heard this, you know, if you listen to the podcast for a long time, you'll you'll uh, you'll have heard this before. But I mean, the first time I ever met Anthony Smith, he came up to me in an airport bar and was like, "Dude, you're going to be covering me one day." You know, and and I just enjoyed talking to him. We just had a we had a beer together and talked for a little bit, and I was like, "Man, this is a great guy," but I didn't know who he was. Uh, you know, this is ten years ago. Uh, but I obviously, I, you know, wrote his name down or whatever. And, and when he left, I, I pulled up his record to see, well, who is this prospect that's going to make to the USC? And he was like four and eight at the time. <laughs> I was like, what? He was on a four fight losing streak. He's like, you're going to be in the, uh, you're going to cover me in the USC one day. And damn it. If you did. So I've been a big fan of Anthony Smith forever. So great interview, a little bit of thriller talk. Uh, so we'll get back to that whole situation we were leading to earlier. Uh, here is, uh, here's Anthony Smith. How's things, man? How are you feeling ahead of this one? I'm good. I'm good, man. I feel really good. I had a good camp. Um, not not too banged up. You know what I mean? No injuries. Um, put a little size on, so I'm, I'm feeling good. We uh, we had your opponent out here earlier, and obviously there's been some words back and forth, but he did want to clarify that he actually does respect you, and he actually wanted to take a moment to appreciate that you would take a fight against the guy behind you, where he says he wouldn't necessarily do the same if he was in your position. So I thought I should let you know that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> do you still think he's a nerd? I like nerds. I'm kind of a nerd. So like I said it all kind of like in, I don't know, like in joking, like I can call him a nerd for quoting a movie, but like I knew exactly where it came from. You know, you know what I mean? So like, who's the bigger nerd? Like, uh, so I don't want to like offend all the nerds out there. I'm kind of nerdy (laughs) myself. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was weird. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I get it though. Like I, it was weird, but I understand it. Like, We've, we haven't had any interactions. And honestly, I've been nothing but respectful to his coach. Like, I don't know him well enough to, to be super respectful or disrespectful, you know. Um, but I'm a big fan of his team. Like, I think his coach does a really good job. Like, we got a lot of MMA coaches out here. And there's not that many elite ones. Um, you know, you can count them on one or two hands. So, um, at least in, in, in my opinion, as far as if we're talking elite. Um, and I think Safe's one of those guys. Uh, I've, I've broken down a lot of his fighters. Um, 
just working as an analyst at the desk. So uh, I had a lot to say about his coach because I, I, I see the body of work that he, that, you know, he's kind of put forth into the UFC. So that's why I thought it was weird. Like I, I went out of my way to say nice things when I didn't have to. Um, and then, you know, for him to just be weird, I, it doesn't matter to me, you know, lit a little bit of a fire. It's kind of fun. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It doesn't matter whether he, he can sit up here and say he respects me, but uh, I don't think he's going to have a choice on Saturday. Nice. I, I think out of all the fighters we ever talked to, you're one of the guys who is most media savvy, as in you see things that the media does and you see the game and the way it all plays. So do you think maybe this can be one of those cases where the UFC promotional machine just takes something and it all gets twisted and we kind of write headlines about it and twist it and it ends up being something that actually it's nothing to either of you at all? No, I, I think that it's not very often that I'm um, outspoken like that you know and i wouldn't even say that's out i mean that's about as edgy as i get when it comes to opponents you know what i mean unless we're talking about luke rockhold or something but or john you know or and honestly i've been pretty respectful to john like i haven't really talked badly about i've never talked about his personal hiccups i've never never attacked him personally i've never you know what i mean like i've talked about some of the things he's done you know it, you know in the octagon or at least surrounding the mma space but um, that's my job, you know? So like when people get mad that I'm talking about fighters, I'm literally paid to do that. Uh, so I, I think it was just odd for me to like probably, you know, come out and flip him some shit. You know what I mean? I, it, and it, I thought it was fairly lighthearted. You know, I, I don't think it was too, I didn't really come at him too hard. I mean, but. nerd is not that bad really. No, no. And, and, and I said it laughing the whole time. It's not like I was attacking all nerds out there. Like I'm, like I said, I'm pretty nerdy myself. So, um, I just don't think it's often that I kind of come at someone back a little bit. When you look at the fight itself, in terms of your attributes, his attributes, with your analyst hat on, how do you see it playing out? Where, where do you have your strengths? Where does he have his strengths? How do they compare? Uh, you know, I guess I've been careful to not pull the curtain too far back, but I don't think there's too many secrets here. Um, I've said it over and over and over again. He's a, he's, he's a fantastic athlete. Um, he's got big power in both hands. He can, he can shut anybody off if he lands. Um, I don't think he carries that power late into a fight. Um, I don't think that that's me, you know, pulling the curtain back. I think that's fairly, you know, that's, that's out there. Um, he's a big dude. He moves well. He's got some really tricky stuff on the ground. He's got some tricky, like, submissions. It's a lot of transitional stuff. Uh, so I got to be careful where I put my, where I put my neck. I got to be mindful of, of his hands around my neck. I got to make sure I put my hands in the right spot. Um, and I, I just think... You know, no disrespect. If he can't knock me out, he can't beat me. Um, that doesn't mean he's not dangerous. It doesn't mean he's not tough. I think he's one of the more dangerous guys that that I fought recently. Um, I thought Jimmy Crute was pretty was pretty powerful, but I think I think Ryan Spans, as far as you know, stopping ability, I think that you know Jimmy Crute can hurt you and finish you. I think Ryan Span can completely shut you off. Taking these fights against these guys like Jimmy and, and Ryan. It's not something that we often see. We see guys who just want to stay at their level and only go higher. Do you take a sense of pride in that? Like, I'll fight anybody and I'll fight these young guys and prove that I'm still above them, prove there's still levels to go. Do you take pride in that? Yeah, because I've been saying that for a long time. Anyone, anytime, anywhere. I've been saying that for years. Uh, and, and I think a lot of guys say that, but I actually live that life, you know? And, and if it wasn't for, for guys like Shogun or, or Rashad that, that gave me an opportunity, but maybe they didn't necessarily need to or have to maybe was shot a little less just because of where he was at in his career at the time i think it was if he wanted to fight uh i think he just kind of had to fight whoever but shogun didn't have to fight me you know when his opponent fell out and they brought me in on like eight days notice or whatever it was 
could have said no. Like, he didn't need the money. You know, he was on a 3-5 winning streak. They were talking about him getting a title shot next. Um, he could have waited and, and, and got a better matchup on more time or whatever. Um, so, I like, I always appreciated that, and I still do, uh, about Shogun. Now, I'm not saying I want to be the guy that people make their careers off of, but um, I think later on down the road, I hope that people remember these moments where, like, I'm taking fights that I don't have to take. I could just sit and wait. Uh, for a guy ahead of me to, you know, I could wait. I could have waited for the title fight and fought the loser. Um, but that's just not who I am. Um, I like to stay active. Uh, and I just take the fights that are offered. In a weird way, it's like essential for the ecosystem of MMA, right? You need guys to just take the fight. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a circle of life, you know? Like, I've been Ryan Spann wanting that opportunity, and I wanted it for a long time, and I never got it. Um, and, and I, you know, if I say something, I truly mean that. And that, that's the fight they came with, and that's the fight I took. Um, I also think that I kind of, I don't want to say I owed it to the UFC, but I, I think that I, I, I've never asked for something and not gotten it. And I think that's because I make sure that I've, I've done the work and I've done the things that I needed to do to earn whatever I'm asking for. Um, so I don't ask for a lot. So this is one of those moments I think you know, I slipped on a banana peel a couple times, so I had to put my head down, shut my mouth, not, I didn't call anybody out. I didn't ask for any fights. Uh, I just put my head down and I, and I defended my position. And, you know, after three straight wins, I think that I'm in a position to ask for something. Chael Sonnen often bemoans the fact that the modern fighter isn't the anyone, anytime, anywhere sort of guy. Do you think that's something that the sport has lost as it's grown? Oh, for sure. For sure. I think I'm the last of a dying breed. Um, I've always said that I, I think that I was the youngest guy in the generation that's actually ahead of me. So, like, I came up with you know, at least in my area where I grew up at, like in Omaha, like the Ryan Jensen's, the Jake and Joe Ellenberger's, the Houston Alexander's, Jason Brill's, like you've never heard any one of those guys shying away from a fight. Um, uh, I think I'm the youngest guy in Chael's generation. So uh, it's just not how the game is. It's not how, how guys approach fights, not how management manages careers. But that's, again, like I sleep good at night. You know what I mean? Like my, my life is going well. And although you, you don't always win them all, but um, I think that as things kind of go around in a circle, I think it always comes back to me winning. A couple of things outside this fight, because I enjoy getting your opinions on stuff. For better or worse, recently, you seem to have become the advocate for guys should never have the towel thrown in and all that sort of stuff, and they should fight regardless. When you see something... Oh, no, 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 no. I, it's not that I don't... Personally for you, at least. Personally for me, I, I think the fight should be stopped more often. I think yeah. coaches should step in when... I, speaking of, you know, bringing Chael up, I, I, Chael said that the towel shouldn't be thrown in when your fighter can't continue, that he thinks it should be thrown in when your fighter can't win anymore. Yeah. I think that's a little bit extreme. Um, I just think it should be the fighter's choice, you know, and, and, and that comes down to being for me personally. So, so what I want to expand on from that is, is there a point where the fighter can no longer be trusted to make that choice? I'm thinking of Evander Holyfield and situations like that, where they get to a point where it's like everyone around them sees them working out, everyone around them sees this is not likely to go well at what point can it no longer be their choice well i think we're talking about extremes for sure uh i think there's a lot of gray area in the middle and i think that's where things get a little dicey uh i don't personally think evander holyfield should have been in there fighting um i, I just i think evander knows that you know what i mean and, and i think it comes down to paychecks and i think that fighters when it gets to the end of their career i think that's like i think the end of the career guys and then the the towel throwing in situations are totally separate. Like, I don't know when, I don't know if I'll ever be able to stop on my own. I just don't. I, because I, you know, I've always said, like, I think I'll retire when I don't think 
that I can compete at the highest level anymore. But like fighters are pretty delusional. I don't know if I'll ever actually believe that. You know what I mean? I, I feel like I could be a Vander Holyfield's age and be like, man, I, if I could just land that big shot, I could, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think he feels so, that way too. Um, I, I do think there's a moment where people need to step in for sure, 100%. Do you think there's something to be said? And I, again, I'm asking your opinion on it and this is just an opinion, but when you're someone like Vitor and you get in there and you see Evander throw the first jab, you must know like, oh, he, he, he is 58. Mm -hmm. Is there a part of you that thinks maybe that guy as a legend should kind of help him get through the fight? Or do you think Vito did the right thing, did his job, got him out of there? I think it depends on the fighter. Um, I'm not sure. I think me, I, I think I probably would have just helped him along and let's just get out of here whole um, without putting yourself in any danger. I mean, you're going to have to land shots. That's just part of it. But I'm not sure that I could have gone in there and just, you know, lit up Evander Holyfield like that after seeing him move like that. Um, <laughs> but I think we all know Vitor is a different beast. You know what I mean? So I do think that there's those situations that do happen where, you know, I think there's, I don't know, like a mercy rule kind of, you know, like Vitor had to have known that like this wasn't going to go well for Evander Holyfield. So. And if he didn't, he would have realized fairly quickly. Very, yeah, very quickly he would have realized. So. I think it depends on the fighter. I think there's a lot of guys like Vitor out there, but I do think there's guys, there's a lot of guys like me that would have just, let's just get this shit over with, you know, and get my paycheck and get out of here. Last thing for me, and I only asked you this because of previous comments you made. Last night, Dana White was here, very heavily advocating for Jake Paul to fight Anderson Silva. Would you be interested in watching that fight? For sure, for sure. That's that. That's the fight that I that, that I think needs to happen. Just, I just want Jake Paul to fight someone good. If he fights Anderson Silva, I'll shut up. You know, uh, and I'll stop being so critical. If he fights him and he and he even looks well, you know, looks okay doing it, I'll shut up and give him his props. Like I've never, I've never hated on Jake Paul fighting. I think that everyone deserves the opportunity to fight. I, I advocated for CM Punk. I think they should all do it at a high level because, I mean, we're we gonna put like CM Punk and Jake Paul and like I love the LFA, love it, but like, is that where we're gonna put CM Punk? Like they don't, they can't even handle that type of celebrity, right? So, um. I think Jake Paul should be allowed to fight. I think that he's taking it very seriously. I think that he trains hard. I think that he respects the the art and the game. I just don't think he's very good. Uh, so, what did you think of the Woodley fight and his performance in that? I thought he looked awful. I, I, and 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 I don't. I, I love Tyron. I don't want to be critical of him. He, you know, he's he's a fellow fighter. He's also a, a coworker at, at the desk. But he just he's stuck in neutral all the time, and it's so frustrating. It's just like we're gonna lose anyways. Just go berserk and just throw bombs. But I, so that part's frustrating, but like the things, the mistakes that Jake Paul makes are very amateur mistakes. It's, he has natural power in his hands. That's very clear. Um, he's an athlete. That's very clear. But he, like if I threw a jab and my back foot came off the ground, Mark Montoya would tear my fucking head off. He just, it just wouldn't be allowed, you know? And he just, and he's supposed to make those mistakes at this point in his career. Um, he's, He's way better than he should be for the amount of time he's been fighting. I'll give him that. Um, I, so I don't think he sucks. I, I, I just don't think he's very good. <laughs> that makes any sense. So if he was to fight Anderson and do well, I would stop criticizing him so much. As far as his abilities, I've never criticized the media thing. I think he's doing a fantastic job bringing the pay scale up and helping other fighters and, and, yeah. and all that stuff. Um, I have no criticism there. It's just his actual abilities that I've ever criticized. Do you think it's likely he would do well against Anderson? No. no. Okay. I don't think so. Me neither. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
Listen, I just I, I love his interviews. He's always so straightforward, honest, accurate in his assessments. I mean, he's not saying things that are crazy. I just think he's always trying to. I mean, that's obviously why he's had such a successful uh, analytical career. That's that's uh, jumping in here now as well. You know, he just does a, a great job at it. Like I said, just spot on. Um, just I think he does does a fantastic job. Um, I I, I thought. Uh, well, first of all, let me just say uh, thank you, Hot T, essentially for the one on one. I should probably make sure I should probably list uh, Oscar as a uh, as a co-host this episode because that was like a fourteen minute one on one that we use there. So thank you for that footage, sir. Uh, but hey, that's hey that's the media day, right? The the content we create for everybody. I know he won't be upset that it was on the podcast. We're not not stealing his you know exclusive interview from the Mac Life. Um, that's what we do with these media days, right? But I just want to say. I just want to acknowledge it at least. Thank you, Hot T. Um, but I thought great, great discussion on the uh, on on the whether you should throw in the towel talk or not. Um, you know, like it or not, he's kind of become a poster boy for that discussion. So um, I, th- I thought that was um, I thought that was interesting to hear his take on it. It's always such an interesting debate topic, right? Whether or not more fights should be stopped in MMA. I mean, we see it in boxing quite common. Um, so the Vitor talk. That's what I was alluding to earlier. Um, See, I, I I like what he's saying there. You know, he's talking about professionalism and you know not uh, you know understanding that you're in a superior position and and not needing to. I don't think he's so worried about uh, insulting a legend, but just understanding that like, dude, this dude has nothing for me. So what? But you know what, man? I think you got to be careful. And I know it's a boxing glove and not an MMA glove. I like what Anthony was saying there, but man, I I feel like I've seen fights in the past, and again, not not fights with a 58 year old guy. But I've seen fights in the past where you felt like somebody had the ability to finish the fight and they just didn't and it ends up costing them because they get clipped by something silly. Or, you know, obviously the boxing match, not a mixed martial arts match, so it's not like you could actually slip into a submission or something like that. Um, but I just, I think there's a danger of kind of playing with your food, as we as we uh, say sometimes, you know, and, and then letting yourself get into a bad position and get caught by something when you should have won the fight. So... I see where he's coming from, but I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, by the way, insulting my man CM Punk. What's happening with you? I know I was throwing some shade at my man CM Punk. I see you, Anthony Smith. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I'm not going to lie, uh, Jake Paul, Anderson Silva. I know this Jake Paul fiasco is crazy. Um, but that's honestly, I mean, he, he laid it out there. He laid out the assessments perfectly. It's a matchup I'd like to see. So, uh, yeah. Good stuff there with Anthony Smith. I'm still sticking with my staff pick of Anthony Smith, but I'm less confident in it than I was when I when I um, when I turned it in. So we'll see how it all plays out on Fight Night. 15 fight card. Uh, of course, we will be doing an and a half episode for all you supporters over there. That will be recorded from Dallas, Texas. Um, I was thinking, like, maybe get my mom on there, but, like, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> like, no offense to my mom. Like, it might be fun to have, like, a segment or two or just get a little bit of post-fight feedback because I know we'll be watching the fight together. I don't know if we should do the whole show together. I don't know. If <laughs> I'm not sure if I could do that. Uh, I don't know. It might be fun. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what we do with there. Uh, she might not want to do it anyway, but we'll see. Um but 15 fights. So, you know, look, Devin Clark, Ian Kutalaba, that's an interesting matchup there. Nicholas Moda got a late replacement, Cameron Van Kemp. Obviously, I'm, I'm anxious to see him. Uh, Moda came in from uh, from CFFC as well and then through the Contender Series, so I'm excited for that. Manny Baum versus uh, Ariane Lipsky. Uh, I can tell you, based on some chatter I saw in the uh, Junkie uh, Slack channel, um, that Cold Coffee is quite intrigued. 
by the Ariane Lipsky matchup. Um, take that as you will. Uh, but I believe uh, he likes to refer to that. Well, in fact, it's just a fight he's interested in. I don't want to steal his his line because then it gets attributed to me, and I don't want that attribution. <laughs> but I can tell you that cold coffee is quite interested in that. I myself am a, am a little bit more interested in uh, Armin Sarukin uh, versus Christos Giagos. I just I, I think Armin's the real deal, man. So I'm, I'm anxious to see him compete. Uh, Antonio Hoyo versus Joaquin Buckley rounds out the main card. That could be uh, absolute fireworks, of course. We know what uh, what Buckley is capable of. Um, and then uh, that's your sixth fight main card. Nine fights on the prelims. It's going to be a lot of fights. Luckily, it's on ESPN Plus, so hopefully they'll crank through them. I think they've got a nine-fight uh, prelim scheduled in a three-hour window. So, you know, a lot of times they space it out where they've got it at, at paced at two fights an hour. They've got it set for three fights an hour. Um, so we'll see what plays out of that. Um, but we'll have it all wrapped up afterwards. Of course, even though I'm off this weekend, MMA Junkie will have you covered for all of it. We'll also have you covered for Bellator. It will be going on simultaneously. So this is not, you know, a Friday night, Saturday night type deal. They're both on Saturday, which, I mean, look, they can't plan around each other. Um, that's just going to happen from time to time. Uh, I hate when it does because it's it's you know it's just impossible to really watch both of them at the same time. You know you got to you got to watch one of them on delay or if you're if you're gonna really soak it in. So I'll probably watch a replay of Bellator. Um, and 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 that's not a, an evaluation of which card I think is better or anything like that. It's just to be honest with you, I think my since I'll be with my mom watching fights, she doesn't know as many of the Bellator fighters, so I think it'll be less interesting for her. Uh, she knows the UFC fighters because that's what I'm covering every you know every week, so that's what she ends up watching. But certainly Bellator 266 will have full coverage of that as well. Like I said, Nolan King, I, I wish I could add him on to preview it. We'll do more previews with him in the future, but it's the media day going on right now. But uh, the headliner is the big one there too. In the same way that I think the UFC is, is a lot about the headliner, um, so is the Bellator event. No question about it. I mean, there's some other great fights in there as well, but the, the big one is Phil Davis versus UL Romero. Um, the debut, the Bellator debut, the long-awaited and delayed debut of UL Romero at 44 years old. You know, what does he still have left at the tank? I mean, doesn't even that physical specimen of a human being eventually get old at some point, right? I mean, it's just going to have to happen. Uh, you know, even even a freak athlete like him, it's going to have to happen. Uh, and when will it happen? And it's hard to look good against Phil Davis, man. It's hard to look good against Phil Davis. And this is what, this is what to be honest, sucks about this matchup. Is it's incredibly intriguing. It's incredibly relevant. Because if you all Romero beats Phil Davis – you know, we debated this past week on 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 spinning back click whether or not UL Romero uh, would be a champion. You know, and look, you beat Phil Davis. I'm not saying you get a title shot right away, but you're pretty much right there. I mean, you you already brought in name value, and now you're beating Phil Davis. You're pretty much right there. But so that's that's the intriguing part. What sucks is is, is just to be honest, right? With these two guys' style, it could be a very boring fight. Um, I'm going to knock on wood again in the same way that I'm knocking on wood that CM Punk is going to be calling fights with me tonight and that his plane is not delayed. I'm going to knock on wood right now that this fight isn't boring. But with these two guys' style, there's a chance this could be um, a bit of a stinker. So I'm not trying to curse him. I'm not trying to be bad. I, I don't want to do that to him. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this one a little bit. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it plays out. But it's a big one. I'll certainly be intrigued. I'll definitely have that one on. In the background, trying to find, um, um, you know, trying to trying to find a way to watch both simultaneously. I think they they pretty much, unfortunately, uh, line up directly with each other. Um, but 
I actually, you know what? I take that back. The USC starts early. So, yeah, okay, I can watch the main card after. Okay, that's good. I thought they were lined up exactly, but they're not. No, I can watch the Bellator main card after. The Bellator prelims I'll have to watch on on replay, but the main card I can catch uh, live unless I'm doing the and-a-half show. Jeez, do I put off the and-a-half show to watch Bellator 2 and then maybe recap it all? Maybe I can do that. Maybe a dual one. Then I really can't do it with my mom. We got a lot to figure out. But see, that's what I can't think about right now. I got to push that off. So I got to be in the moment because it's just about time for CFFC 100. Uh, I did a couple other things. Uh, oh, by the way, the Bellator, um, one little interesting note. I, Christian Edwards looks like the real deal, uh, but he's fighting Ben Parrish, who was a referee at CFFC 99. If you're watching the CFFC 99 broadcast, I did criticize him for one decision, and then I did praise him for one right afterwards. So he had a little bit of an up-and-down night to start with. Um, but he's actually fighting on the card against Christian Edwards in a fight that's been scheduled, I think, three different times now. So I guess Ben really likes this matchup with Christian Edwards. So maybe he knows something we don't know because Christian looks like the real deal to me. So uh, I would definitely be intrigued by that matchup as well. You know, I say I always enjoy when I've uh, when I've commentated somebody's fight and I see them take a step up to the next level. I guess this is kind of the same. I mean, it doesn't happen very often where it's a referee stepping up to the next level, but... That's what's happening. I mean, look, Justin Bernard's getting his chance as a ring announcer. Referee Ben Parrish is getting his chance here fighting on a Bellator main car. I mean, we're just seeing people moving up right and left. How can you not feel uh, good about that? A um, couple things I did want to mention. Joseph Benavidez retiring, man. Um, dude, I hate seeing that guy step away. I kind of knew it might be coming. I think he had not lost his passion for it but yeah I mean I think he's done financially well for himself you know he's not he's not a he's not a guy that wastes money I I I don't know a whole lot about it but I I imagine he saved a lot of his money just knowing the type of 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 person that he is he doesn't drink so he doesn't go party and stuff like that he's not like flashy cars I bet he spent a decent amount of money on clothes he does like fashion but even the clothes he buys it's not like he's out there buying the you know the most expensive Gucci thing or whatever it's just he likes that like you know style right Dapper scrappers, that's his thing, right? He likes style. So um, I just, I'm happy for him, man. When you see the amount of love that people pour out for him, there's a reason for that, man. That dude, if it doesn't come across in his interviews, that dude is just a good dude behind the scenes. Again, somebody that's honest, that's forthcoming, that uh, you can have great conversations with about things completely outside of fighting. Um, that really like has a, I mean, when you hear people really appreciate, you know, like if, if, you know, thank you for for doing an interview or whatever, and they really, I, I don't know, it's just he's a good dude, man. And so. Um, one of the best to ever, not win a title, right? I mean, that's a that's a sucky kind of backhanded compliment to have, but it's a hell of a compliment when you think about it, man. When you're basically saying, "Look, you're as good as as these champ. We think you are as good as we think you should have won a title at some point, and and so that's that's why I wanted you the best ever to not win a UFC title. I know that burns. I know that sucks, but it is a hell of a compliment because it means we're comparing you to UFC champions and. Uh, uh, man, the dude's just always been a good dude. Used to come into MMA Junkie Radio a lot back at, back. Man, they haven't done studio show in forever. It's crazy. COVID again, damn it, COVID again. But, man, he'd come in and, I mean, from the very early beginning of his career, WC days, man, you know, you, it's it's uh, part of an era. You know what I mean? The, the covering, the, covering the WC was fun, man. It really was. And so, um, yeah, hate to see him go. He's a good dude, man. And, and I know he probably gets some criticism, um, you know, for the, the, the number of title opportunities got or whatever, but 
he deserved them, man. He deserved them. And uh, I, I wish, I wish he would have gotten the Michael Bisping treatment. You know, that late in your life where you get to, you get to still have that one. You know, it means something. Um, and it just wasn't to be for him. But uh, obviously, life has worked out pretty good for him. You know what I mean? Like I say, he's put some money in the bank. Uh, I know he's, you know, madly in love with his wife, Megan Levy, and, and they, they uh, seem like just an awesome couple that's like full of positivity and support for each other. And uh, man, it's. Um, you know, happy to hear it's, you know, you, you hate, I think, like I said, I think he had kind of lost that passion for the sport, the love for it. I mean, I think the love of training and being with his buddies and all that stuff, he still had that, but I think he had lost some love for, you know, the spotlight and the interviews and the, and the, the hyping process and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, good time for him to walk away and, and, and wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Um, I do remember one thing. The first thing is he always said he was missing some results, like uh, you know, from his early career that he actually that he actually had even more of a of a, a winning record than um, than he thought, and uh, or than than we thought than, than we had seen because some of his early results hadn't been recorded. So his record uh, might even might even be better. So, hate to see him go away, but happy for him. Uh, speaking of the flyweight division, Brandon Moreno, Davidson Figueredo trilogy. Did what? I, I'm curious what people think about that. I'm, I'm anxious to hear what people's feedback is about that because, um, I don't know. It's a trilogy that probably needs to happen. I mean, you know, with everything that was said. But, I mean, Brandon Moreno had basically said, like, I'm just not interested in this fight again. I want to prepare for somebody else. And then what do you – I mean, because I think Davidson is dangerous as hell, man. I think he matters. But what do you do if he loses and Brandon Moreno stays champ? Now you got this dude that's got – you know, that's one of the best ever in the division right now and, and can't fight for a title again. So what do you uh, – I don't know. I, I just feel like this trilogy happening so fast means one of them is going to be kind of screwed moving forward as long as the other is champion. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think maybe that's one reason I don't love it right away. I mean, stylistically, it was a great fight, you know, and, and it should be – it's it's always going to be a great fight no matter how many times they fight. So I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, but I just feel like – the loser of this fight is going to be in a pretty shitty position moving forward. Um, and then, of course, there's Pantoja, who has a, a real history there as well and, and, and had the respectful call-out and all those things. And so um, I guess I, you know maybe there's something going on with Pantoja that we're not aware of. And I should probably reserve judgment until I, until I check in on that. You know, Was it a situation where they came to Pantoja and he's like, dude, I'm hurt right now, I just can't, and they, and they need a title fight for December and – you know, that was the right time for Moreno. And so, you know, then, then they were left going to three. Because if that's the case, then you know what? At that point, I, I washed my hands and said, we got to go with the trilogy. If, if, if Pantoja wasn't able to take this fight, and again, I apologize if, if again, I'm, I've been prepping for CFFC 100 today. So I apologize if, if that news has gotten out there and I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't seen it yet. But if they came to Pantoja and he turned it down for whatever reason, um, or you know, and I'm not saying turn it down, I just mean like wasn't able. And then they went to this, then pff, no complaints, can't say anything at that point. But if they didn't go to Pantoja and that wasn't the consideration, then I don't know why you go to this trilogy right away. Because again, I think somebody's going to be in a bad spot coming out of it. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Though hell of a fight, though hell of a fight. I mean, both those are great fighters. And then I guess if you're Pantoja, you know, if you did get passed over, you just sit and wait. Because I think certainly. Um, should be right there. So, uh, anyway, listen, it's going to be a busy week. I'm going to focus on the here and now, the way Ryan Span said. It's going to be a busy week. Uh, next week, we'll have that all covered. Of course, we'll do the and a half this weekend uh, if you want to join us over there. Uh, contender Series next week, by the way. Santa, even though I'm not, even though I'm staying in the moment, Santo Cortola is going to be on that one. So, the CFSC will love. will continue. Uh, anybody that's watched CFSC and followed Santos' run, I mean, listen, you get on the Contender Series, anything can happen. But this dude. Is talented, man. So I'm I'm extremely excited to see that. Um, we have a package on the broadcast. So I think we've got 
seven or eight guys uh, from the CFSC on Contender Series this year, which is it's pretty damn cool. Um, the Connor thing, I don't want to talk about the Connor thing a whole lot. That was silly, right? I, I just I think we're all moved past it at this point. It's just silly. I don't like to see it. Connor McGregor throwing drinks at a rapper on the MTV red carpet, like. <clears throat> And I know main culture eats it up, and TMZ loves it, and all that, man. Like, I mean, what's the point? What's the point? Are you gonna fight MGK? You're gonna fight Machine Gun Kelly? What, what is it? What is that? I don't even go into it. It's a, pro- a professional fighter and a rapper, bro. Like, you don't need to. You don't need to address him in that manner. We all know you would kick his ass. You're a trained killer. He would outrap you. I bet he can play the guitar better than you. I mean. What are we doing? Why are you throwing a drink at MGK? Ah! Maddening. Maddening. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to cover that. Uh, Stefan Bonner. Man, if you're in Stefan Bonner's life, please help him get some help. I, you know, we, we've seen some incidents in Vegas over the past couple of years that suggest that there's some bad things, you know, going on with Stefan in his life right now. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, kind of chime in and say, hey, you know, this looks bad. Um, if you're close to Stefan, get him some help, man. He's a legend. And uh, obviously that video that was posted is disturbing, especially when you consider the fact that he posted it himself. So that means that not only did he have an unfortunate meltdown, but even afterwards he felt he was the guy that was being wronged so much that he posted it. So, uh, hopefully get him some help. Um, listen. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta change. I gotta get dressed. I gotta put a suit on. The only time in my life I put a suit on is when I get on the CFSC mic. Um, obviously, didn't spend a lot of time talking about the card itself because I'm sure by the time most of you listen to this, it will already be over. Um, but if you haven't, uh, if you you know if you, if you haven't checked out CFSC before, maybe now's the time. Maybe just the suspense alone of finding out whether or not CM Punk made it to Florida or not is enough for you to tune in. Uh, check it out. I honestly, I love I love working with this company. I love calling fights, man. It really is something that I enjoy doing. Hopefully that joy comes across in the broadcast. Um, I, I want to keep doing more of it, man. It sounds like we're going to – I was talking to the to the guys at CFSC. It sounds like we're going to have a, pr- a pretty busy schedule in 2022, uh, and I'm excited about that. I mean, as much as I love my job as, as, a, as a reporter covering UFC events, and I do, man. I still have as much passion for it as I did when I started. I love calling fights, man. I love calling – there's just nothing be- – there's nothing better than having the best seat in the house – you know what I mean? And, and and to just sit there and talk with my man CM Punk about the fights and, and knowing that, you know, everybody at home is watching and hopefully enjoying too and, and hopefully they feel like I'm doing respect to the to the athletes in there and to the sport itself, that makes me feel good, man. I love it. So, uh, yeah, check out CFFC 100 if you haven't before or if you have, you know, we, we do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, over at patreon.com slash CMA Roadshow. We'll see you this weekend. It'll be a good fight. MMA Junkies got both those events covered, UFC and Bellator. Uh, so a busy weekend, obviously, wall-to-wall. The MMA Junkie staff will have you covered. We'll talk about it, too. Uh, if not, we'll see everybody next week. And uh, as always, mean it. Thanks for listening.